Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. This is where the fun begins. everyone today we have a kind of a little twist on what we normally do here on the older public podcast uh, we're welcoming back a guest who's been on with us a couple of times and had some really great conversations with him and we're excited to to have him back but uh cassia you and i are going to be taking uh kind of the co-pilot seat for this one you know we've we've boarded the ebon hawk uh normally you and i are the ones flying it but we are going to be turning over the flight controls today uh how does that sound that sounds like an adventure. That does sound like an adventure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, who is going to be uh, piloting this thing, you might ask? Well, that is none other than Gabe Young. Uh, Gabe has been on with us a couple of times to talk about Corbon, to talk about Batman, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Buddhism and how it relates to Star Wars and how Star Wars relates to Buddhism. It's going to be an awesome conversation, and we're very excited to uh, be doing it. So, Gabe, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello there. Um... I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much, Brian and Cassia, for inviting me. I guess, like, this is that one mission in Kodar 2 where we all split up into parties, and <laughs> here I'm coming in with the Eppenhawk going up to go to a ship. So, um, again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to talk about this with you all. Um, I just want to share about, like, what I want to bring to you all. So this semester, I took a class with... My professor, he's a great Buddhist academic, his name is Iyal Aviv, and it was called Buddhist Meditative Practices. And as I was taking the course, I wanted to do something different and contribute to the podcast with a kind of reflection on how Buddhist Meditative Practices are present within Star Wars. Um, and I wanted to hear both of your opinions on it as well, because... I don't think we realize it a lot, but Lucas's entire vision of Star Wars was kind of based on samurais and the Kurosawa of Japanese films, and within um, the samurai culture, Buddhism was such a heavy, prevalent, and peace within it. So, with just honoring Star Wars' roots, honoring where the podcast has come from, and um, honoring my professor, I just want to come in this space and uh, talk about the practice of Buddhism with you all. Yeah, it sounds like a really fun episode, very informative episode, and uh, if there's anything we like to do on this podcast, it is to go in-depth and be nuanced and learn new things and teach our listeners new things, so thanks for uh, pitching us the concept because we, we like to keep things of educational. Um, kind of diving into it, so um, quick refresher on Buddhism as we get started Buddhism was started uh, way long time ago by someone of the of the name Siddhartha Gautama, and he was from Nepal. And throughout his life and growing up, he was a prince and told never to leave his palace. And 
he was always told like if you leave your palace you're gonna be unhappy you're gonna see the suffering in the world and whatever so it's better to live comfortably than it is to not live comfortably as such um one day siddhartha gautama like snuck out of the palace and interacted with the people on the street and realized how much suffering is in the world and by learning this he kind of rescinded his royal title and began this meditative journey and traveled around um and began meditation and his own school of thought of buddhism um under the tree that we all know of the buddhist tree today and what i think is so special about siddhartha gautama's uh background and the kind of concepts of buddhism is kind of the four noble truths which um i'd love to dive in with you all um today which was like number one life is suffering like when living today going through it whatever happens is like the human experience is one of suffering that there's just something against us all the time we have to worry about our wants and needs and desiring things because it's just who we are um and then siddhartha gautama also realized a second truth which was like the origin of suffering is attachment that the reason why we suffer um is because we desire we crave we want something and we'll definitely dive into this more later but um in sanskrit it's called dukkha spelled d-u-k-h-a and one suffering comes from this craving um and the only way to stop it and to help other people is by the third noble truth which be the cessation of suffering is attainable that the way to stop suffering is to recognize suffering and stop desiring and this leads us onto the eightfold path which i'll we'll talk today um which would be that the way suffering can cease is by following the eightfold path um and i kind of wanted um to get your perspective brian and cassie on this because it's as just daily star wars fans or people in our lives like what do you Mm -hmm. think of these four noble truths because for gautama he reached enlightenment because of these four truths so i'm curious about your own perspective like do you do these four noble truths hold up today and what do you think about it in the context of star wars yeah definitely gabe as you mentioned um you know lucas drew a lot of inspiration um you know from uh world religions and things when he was you know creating star wars so to see you know kind of these uh four noble truths uh suffering um you know is, is a big one and that's a part of what we see um in star wars you know told over and over again you have um you know kind of falling to the dark side is just to live with this um you know kind of kind of eternal suffering you're uh you know you're taking this uh this this path of of ease of uh you know this path of of greed and and what does that get you in the end it gets you um into this uh suffering so i definitely yeah i can i can certainly see uh these noble truths playing uh throughout you know in star wars and into kotor which we're gonna you know be digging into a little bit more as we go kind of in through the uh sith and the uh jedi codes here but uh yeah that's that's the one that comes pops right out at me when I think about, you know, these Four Noble Truths. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Uh, the Four Noble Truths, uh, it's an ancient uh, belief system, and it's still with us today, so 
it's timely and uh, timeless. So uh, I think it kind of taps at something uh, inherent in humanity uh, all over the world. And I think that's like why we tell stories uh, is to relate to our lives and Lucas definitely kind of incorporated uh, lots of different thoughts into the creation of the Force because uh, it, it was kind of meant to like distill the philosophies and religions uh, of the world, uh, but to kind of give uh, everyone something to um, identify with mm-hmm. uh, and... I would definitely say that the Force is more inspired by uh, uh, Buddhism, Shintoism, and uh, I think it's wise to to realize like life is is suffering, to find the cause of it, and how to end it, and how to continue on that path. Um, you know, kind of in the Star Wars stories, um, you'll see uh, kind of this the story arc that, you know, ultimately kind of ends in some sort of atonement. Um, you know, you, you talk about the, uh, the noble eightfold path. So I think that, you know, over the course of the star Wars, uh, stories, you know, whether it be the, the prequel trilogy, uh, the original trilogy, sequel trilogy, um, or even into the Knights of the old Republic games, you're seeing, um, you're seeing kind of these, these falls, um, into darkness and then, you know, paths out, um, into the light, uh, through atonement and, uh, learning to, you know, live, you know, within yourself and within the world to, you know, just to, you know, to, 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 you know, shine some light on that darkness, I guess. Yeah, for sure. No, that was super insightful. Um, thank you so much for answering that. Cause like coming into the space, I have this thesis and hence why in coming conversation for y'all, um, to Star Wars experts and me coming with this background class, I want to have this conversation and see if we can either prove or disprove this thesis that I have. Um, but I'd say my thesis for talking about this is like, although Star Wars' systems and beliefs, such as the Jedi, Sith, and Grey Jedi, are evidently influenced by Buddhism, I convey that Star Wars depicts how one should practice mindfulness and Buddhist meditative practices through a exhibiting how life is suffering through the Sith. Next would be how it's important to detach oneself from one's emotions without giving up who one is through how the Jedi practice. And finally, how the great Jedi's uh, concept of balance and moderation and their own concept of the Force is the purest form of the Yoga Chada's representation. So, uh, Brian Cassie, are you ready to uh, dive into some deep Buddhism right now? <laughs> Right, let's, let's dive. Let's let's dive in. We're going we're going head first into the right, into the Buddhism. First. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Here we go. We're going to the bottom of Manan. All right. <laughs> um so the first thing I mentioned, the first point that I'd like to bring up to you two Star Wars experts is the Sith. So, um in Star Wars uh in Knights of the Old Republic, we go to Korriban and in Korriban, Uthar has us learn um the Sith code, peace is a lie, there's only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall free me. Uh, in addition to that, Yoda in Episode 3, uh, when comforting Anakin about the impending death of Padme, 
um, he tells Anakin to detach, uh, which kind of leads uh, Anakin to go down the Sith path of the dark side, where it's the typical fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, and suffering leads to death. Um, for me, I'd like to introduce the concepts of the five hindrances and the three kinds of suffering that the Buddha has taught us. Um, so with the five hindrances, these are what prevents us to achieving enlightenment and being able to focus on the Eightfold Path. And these hindrances would be, the first one is desire, clinging, and craving. So that's really just kind of gluttony in the sense of always wanting something, hence causing suffering. Next one would be aversion, anger, hatred, which would be having ill intent towards another person um, and wishing for their downfall. The third would be sleepiness, uh, sloth, uh, sloth. So, you know, falling asleep, not staying focused. After that, it would be restlessness, like not being able to control one's actions. And finally, the fifth hindrance would be doubt, not trusting people. And because of these five instances, it leads to the three kinds of suffering that aforementioned, which is the suffering of pain, the suffering of change, and the suffering of conditionality. So, um, what do you think, Brian Cassia? Like, are I know I introduced the Sith Code and Yoda's perspective, but with the five hindrances and the three kinds of suffering, would you say it is fair to say that the Sith proves or exhibits how um, these five hindrances and suffering restricts us from attaining enlightenment, and why? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know this, <laughs> the Sith Code definitely lines up with uh, you know the the five hindrances and the types of suffering. Um, and you know we talked about the uh, the Sith Code back on the Corban episode that you were on with us, Gabe. That was episode number eighty six. So all of Gabe's classmates, uh, go listen to that. You can uh, you can get more in in uh, detail here on the uh, the Sith Code. But but yeah, I mean definitely. So part of being the Sith, taking taking this creed you know, going down the path of the dark side, it's, it's basically, you know, you are, you know, peace is a lie. There's, there's only passion. It's, it's just, you know, kind of this internal fire that's, that's inside of you. Um, you know, it, it kind of at, at, you know, whatever the, whatever the cost is, whatever you want, uh, you can have, um, you know, through passion, I gain strength, through strength, I gain power, through power, I gain victory, through victory, my chains are broken. So it's a very, it's a very selfish code uh, to live by, and and you know you have to be all in on it to to be Sith, you know, because it's it's very it's it's a very cutthroat organization, I guess. But you can see how you know living this life of 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 greed, of you know taking the the easy path, uh, you know trying to conquer, you know ultimately that leaves you alone. It leaves you vulnerable. Um, it leaves you without friends, without uh, loved ones, and you know it's it's just a weight of all of this pain, um, of all of these sufferings. Um, you know, you mentioned the the three kinds of uh, suffering, and you know that's just something that's on your shoulders if you decide to go down this Sith path. I think. Yeah, and funnily enough, the Sith Code uh, was created specifically for the Knights of the Old Republic game when you. Uh, first land on Corbon and uh, enter the uh, Sith Academy, which is kind of like if Slytherin uh, were in Star Wars and they needed to teach <laughs> everyone, that's that's where that's they right. would go. Um, 
but it's odd because some some people find the Sith code like uplifting and like ah I don't really get that <laughs> don't understand that <laughs> it's um, a strange take I think yeah I think it is yeah and I'm kind of like it's it's an interesting code but um I think the writer who created it like uh I might be misinformed but like would take like read like speeches by um dictators and and other things uh and like kind of just distilled that uh kind of selfish uh philosophy and uh used it to create the Sith code uh which like the dark side kind of enshrines and uh it's it's kind of uh I would say like Darwinian I think it's mm-hmm. kind of just like survival of the fittest and it's kind of like when people in people are aliens you know in the star wars galaxy uh kind of turn to the dark side it like it alters their psychology Mm -hmm. you know and it kind of corrupts like every aspect of them uh so it would be fascinating to like just kind of like be a psychologist uh in the star wars galaxy like I don't know if psychology exists because no one gets therapy. That's probably why they all turn to the dark side. <laughs> yep. But uh, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Yeah, and I think like the Jedi don't quite get it right either. But um, if you think about Maul and uh, Revenge of the Sith, Anakin and Attack of the Clones, Anakin, uh, they just seem agitated. And then like as they kind of give in to the dark side, like everyone kind of wants more and more like Palpatine is not content with the galaxy and uh, Anakin turns away from Padme the whole reason he turned to the dark side like because he believes that she's sided against him with Obi-Wan and uh, it's kind of just about the self without compassion it's kind of more how about the dark side user feels rather than worrying about how uh, others feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. the Sith are wrong. No, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you, if you play the game, if you play Knights of the Old Republic or uh, you, you get glimpses of it in Knights of the Old Republic too. But um, w- when you go to Korriban and you, and you leave the Academy, you go into, it's almost like a Valley of the Kings type of a thing where, you know, they have these big uh, temples and monuments to, you know, the, old sith lords um but you know all of those they're you know they're just they're just sites for like grave robbers and and these students to try to go and and to you know take the possessions that you know these sith lords accumulated so yeah it's it's not a very it's not a very bright and cheery path it's not one uh filled with a lot of a lot of love yeah so definitely um you know definitely definitely suffering um you know, as, as you go through here and I was, you know, kind of looking through these, these hindrances and yeah, Cassia, you, uh, you nailed it right there, you know, looking at Anakin and, uh, Darth Maul, you see kind of, kind of their restlessness and their agitation and, you know, quick to, quick to act and not very quick to, uh, take a step back and, and do some thinking. So yeah, I definitely see a lot of parallels yeah. here with the, uh, particular, uh, section of Buddhism and how it would relate to, uh, the Sith code that we learned here. Yeah. And you bring up a good point, Brian. Korriban, in case uh, people aren't aware, uh, it's the traditional, like, uh, kind of 
Sith homeworld, and like it's kind of where uh, the Sith like are buried. It's kind of inspired, I guess, like by by ancient mm-hmm. Egypt, and. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I forget if the poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley is pronounced Ozymandias or Ozymandias, but um, it's kind of like saying how like all these great leaders will create works uh, about their greatness and usually kind of force other people to make them, but everyone dies at the end of the day and like you'll be forgotten and like your grand monuments will, will fade away. People will forget you as more and more generations come about. Uh, and like, that's all the Sith really have on this home world is they go to die there. Like, uh, it's a desert kind of devoid of like life. It's not a lush planet like Naboo or Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like symbolic to, to kind of show like there's nothing kind of like, fulfilling and lasting uh about what the dark side is when you both are talking about the sith it's so interesting to think about them as like that warring state all the time because would would be fair to say that they are in a state of perpetual suffering because they're desiring power they're angry they're they slot the way at doing change they're restless they always doubt others like there's that ill intent behind it um, which leads to it and kind of another Buddhist uh, concept I want to introduce and ask you all about is the concept of living mindfully so when in Buddhism when they talk about living mindfully it's when one meditates they're able to particularly vipassana meditation pinpoint their emotions their needs and desires and yeah it doesn't seem like when the Sith meditate, they necessarily focus on that. But instead, um, because they don't necessarily focus on who they are and the hindrances of the suffering that they're inflicting upon, it leads to this craving of power, doubt, and aversion in others. And so, one thing I want to ask you all is, Brian, you touched upon this, is the selfishness aspect of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um Buddhism is huge in the sense of when you're living mindfully, again, as Gautama saw it, that life is suffering and the way to combat suffering is by attacking at the source, not suffering anymore, and helping other people be compassionate through that. Would you say that the Sith truly, as my first point or this thesis is, they exhibit how, A, life is suffering and how the absence of living mindfully um, for oneself and for others leads to suffering. Is that fair to say? What do you all think? And in particular, I want to throw it in there. Um, how can this be seen for Anakin and Revan, um, especially that we're using the code um, the code from Yoda and Uthar that they gave both of these pupils? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, kind of the, the core component of being a... Uh, you know, taking this uh, Sith code and uh, living that life is it, it's it's a life of greed and pursuit. And you know, the one thing we know is that you know the ultimate downfall of greed is that it can never be satiated. Um, you know, Cassie mentioned Palpatine wasn't happy with with ruling the galaxy. Like even that wasn't enough. Like there's always going to be another prize to be won. Uh, so yeah, you can never get to to kind of this this 
restfulness um, that you get, you know, with within yourself. Um, so yeah, so definitely. And then as far as like uh, Revan and and Anakin go, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, especially like Anakin, it's it's really easy to see um, in in the the prequel films, but you know, ultimately what leads him down the path to the dark side is, is just this, you know, desire to have something, you know, that's, you know, maybe unobtainable or uh, maybe it's just not something that people should, you know, desire to have, you know, he wants to, to save his wife, to not let her, let her die, which, which is in one way noble, I guess, but, um, but, you know, the, the ultimate price that he's willing to pay to, to accomplish that, it definitely, yeah, falls in line uh, with what you're saying here. Um, you know that we're, that we're learning from these uh, Buddhist tenets here um, in terms of you know the suffering and the hindrances. Yeah, I mean, you see, with the Anakin, he transforms into Vader. Uh, he loses uh, Padme really due to his own selfishness and desire for control. And you see how he's basically a walking coffin. His uh, iconic black suit <laughs> is like, he's just walking around in a coffin, basically, uh, kind of stripped of every vestige of humanity uh, until he is set back on the correct path, helped by his son. So the five hindrances uh, are desire, clinging, craving, aversion, anger, hatred, sleepiness, sloth, restlessness, and doubt. Um, I mean, just thinking about Darth Maul, uh, iconic, you know, red and black tattoos, uh, Darth Maul is just kind of like Sisyphus, like he's only, he's not able to grow, he's stuck in the past, and just uh, angry at everything himself, but it's not constructive, he's not building anything out of his life and he's just kind of doomed to kind of repeat old patterns uh and uh if you think about anakin and revenge of the sith uh it kind of seems like he is he can be possessive uh and uh, he wants to control death itself which you know like i don't know look at any mythology any story in the world like if you're trying to like uh conquer death you know, like, through selfish means, like, it's not, it's not a good look. And <laughs> when it comes to sleepiness and sloth, um, I can't really think of any Sith that kind of falls into that uh, parameter, but um, maybe that could be, like, the huts, you know? Uh, yeah. no, kind counts. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's, like, a Sith uh, hut somewhere, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, it, just take a naps all day, yeah. Just take I mean, a nap. To be fair, if you think about how Plagius died, um, Palpatine killed Plagius in his sleep. So yeah, like mm -hmm. uh, he was kind of wasted, you know. After Palpatine uh, was elected chancellor and like just kind of uh, trusted his own self too much, you know. And I mean, if you look at Sith, like. Most of the time, I think they probably need a nap and they would be kinder to others. So, like, uh, the light side is getting a proper amount of rest. So, uh, and then, I mean, you always kind of just see, like, Kylo Ren. Uh, he's 
just restless. Uh, he, like, his fists are clenched by his side. Like, he doesn't seem uh, at ease, you know, whenever mm-hmm. he, whenever you see him in the trilogy until, like, he kind of uh, makes peace with his past and becomes Ben Solo, you know? Uh, and then... Uh, I don't know, like, doubt, uh, it just kind of reminds me, like, I guess I do like Anakin in the prequels, I grew up with the prequels, uh, like, Anakin just doubts Padme and, like, thinks that, uh, she's plotting against him when, uh, Obi-Wan and, uh, Padme just want to help him, you know, and, uh, yeah, so, that's what I see. Sure. Thank you for that. You know, he really kind of focuses on the things that he's not able to do um, versus, you know, the the things and the good that he is able to do. So I can see that. Um, and and uh, as as you're talking there, um, we kind of ran over uh, sleepiness and sloth and and maybe there is a, uh, a hut Jedi out or a hut Sith out there. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, but I kind of thought but but I kind of thought about um, you kind of see that as like a part of like the actual like physical transformation for uh, Emperor Palpatine, um, you know, as he rises up to take power, I mean, he literally goes through like a physical transformation where he's, you know, pretty, you know, a pretty spry, uh, gentleman. Um, but as he takes power, he's, you know, literally like transformed into, into a slower, uh, older, more decrepit version of himself as he, you know, as he rises up into his, uh, ultimate seat of power. For sure. That's that I didn't think about that. That's really awesome. Um, to kind of tie a nice little bow on the Sith point, since I'm sure that we kind of proved that the absence of being mindful and compassion is not healthy, the line, through victory, my chains are broken, that really focuses on a liberation of sense of suffering. So kind of to close it on this, Brian Cassia, do the Sith really liberate themselves from suffering or not and why? I would I would say that they are they're not <laughs> broken. Um, I th- I think that that maybe is just kind of the kind of the case of that's what they need to tell themselves to justify the other points of the Sith Code um, is that they they ultimately gain this freedom, uh, but they don't because all of the rest of the Sith Code is tying them down with this, uh, you know, with this, you know, kind of weighty expectations and uh, desires and. Uh, you know, ambitions. So I, I don't think that, that the chains are broken. I think that, um, maybe they, they think that they're breaking, uh, particular chains, but there are, you know, new chains that are replacing them, um, in order to do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't think that they, they really are, um, seeing that through to fruition. Um, or like I said, they're possibly, they're breaking the chains that they saw, but they're not seeing the other ones that are being put around their neck. Yeah, I mean, if you look at high-demand belief systems, they kind of keep people engaged uh, by, like, saying, like, oh, when this happens, I'll be happy. And then it kind of just always gets delayed and never quite uh, materializes. So when I kind of hear through victory, my chains are broken, it kind of just makes me think that, like, it's always kind of just delayed and it's never quite enough and, like, I would just see like a dark side user. It's just a philosophy that uh, doesn't lead to contentment. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's just like, 
you can't control these people, you can't control your city, uh, they want to control the world, they want to control the galaxy, they want to, uh, they want to, like, Palpatine and Rise of Skywalker, like, cheat death, you know, uh, it, mm -hmm. it's never enough, and, like, I mean, like, basically every dark side user, uh, none of them really get, like, happily ever after endings, you know, um, and so it just, for me, that's, like, the story kind of saying, like, uh, the dark side just leads to kind of, like, death and ruin, and it's kind of, uh, tragic in a way that, uh, they tell themselves, like, at the victory, their chains will be broken, but I kind of think there's just more chains being forged holding them down. Not for sure. Thank you so much for that, yeah. And I think to kind of wrap it up, I would say that from our discussion, we've proven that the Sith's philosophy doesn't liberate. It instead proves that life is suffering. And to kind of transition out of that, their counterparts, the Jedi, um, diving to a new section here, so, from Kodor, we learn that the Jedi Code goes as forth. There's no emotion. There's peace. There's no ignorance. There's knowledge. There's no passion. There's serenity. There's no chaos. There's harmony. There's no death. There is the Force. And what this reminds me of in the Buddhist context is the Eightfold Path, as I mentioned earlier. So, when Gautama was trying to create a process for us to attain enlightenment and fulfill our dharma. Dharma is the duty that we're called to fulfill in our lives. Um, and if we don't fulfill it, we reincarnate, henceforth. Um, we undergo this Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path goes from right view, which is knowing the truth, um, intention, freeing one's mind of evil and uh, malintent, right speech, making sure that what one says doesn't hurt others, right action to make sure that their works are compassionate and good for others, livelihood, respecting life around them, um, effort, making sure there's a consistent effort of resisting evil, mindfulness, controlling one's thoughts, and lastly, concentration, practicing meditation. Um, before we dive into uh, the theory of no self, I want to ask you all, what do you think about the Eightfold Path in conjunction with the Jedi Code. Yeah, I see a lot of parallels here um, with the Eightfold Path and kind of the, the Jedi Code um, and the way that they, they maintain the order. Um, uh, just to run through the Jedi Code again, there's, there, there is no emotion, there is peace, there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the Force. Um, so kind of the, the main theme that you're getting through the... Uh, Jedi code, as opposed to the Sith code, is it's, you know, it's it's basically establishing that you need to be um, mindful. Uh, you know what what Qui Gon says at the beginning of uh, Episode One: you need to be uh, mindful of of your surroundings. So you need to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it, I think it does it does fall in with this um, eightfold path. It's you know, um, you know, knowing the truth. Uh, you know, pushing evil out of your mind. Um, you know, being being conscious of the way that you're living in the world and the way that people are seeing you live in the world. Um, there's a real, there's a real balance, uh, there, you know, portraying yourself, um, as 
you know, in this positive light uh, in the world. So yeah, I, I see a lot of parallels there. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Um, with the Jedi, um, it's definitely a much better code to adhere to uh, than the Sith code. Um, and I think it's more aligned with the Eightfold Path. Like, But uh, some of me is almost like almost because part of me would like it if there is no emotion uh yet there is peace or or actually no scratch that like there is emotion yet there is peace there is Mm -hmm. ignorance yet there is knowledge there is passion yet there is serenity there is chaos yet there is harmony and there is death yet there is the force um for me that uh, like adding a but or a yet or an and uh, just kind of makes mm-hmm. it feel more open, less dogmatic, um, where it's kind of like about uh, exploring and about philosophy. Because, uh, I mean, you kind of see it with the uh, prequel Jedi. I think they were kind of blinded uh, by their mm-hmm. sense of uh, superiority. Hubris. Mm-hmm. hubris, yeah. Like, they definitely take a fall in the prequels. Um, <laughs> and... In KOTOR, I would say, like, they're kind of like the prequel Jedi, but a whole lot worse, kind of more cultish. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the Jedi world, Dantooine, like, every Jedi trained there basically falls to the dark side at some point. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of like with Bastila, Juhani, Alec, Revan, and I believe Atris and Kreia... All the ones we see that were taught on Dantooine, uh, they basically turn to the dark side. And I think that's because uh, just the Jedi were just thinking they're so superior and uh, thinking there's nothing to learn, kind of having a close perspective, thinking they had the ultimate truth, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I definitely think the Jedi code is worth having and it's better and it's healthier uh <laughs> yeah. than than the sith code uh but i think it's imperfect and that's okay like humans are imperfect but i think like that's the point uh of being a jedi is like maybe to be kind of like someone who can like see the whole picture and we'll talk kind of about the great jedi later but um I think the goal of the Eightfold Path and, like, the Force, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's to reduce suffering in yourself and for others uh, and kind of detach yourself from what what you want and, like, still have a self. Uh, you have to have a self to be selfless, I would say, and not be selfish. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of, like, not be misled by your sense of superiority. That's what I would say. For sure. Um, and that kind of brings me towards my next point, um, the theory of no self. So there was a Buddhist meditator, uh, goes by Gethin. He talks about this theory of no self. I want to introduce this uh, quote to you, which is, To understand not self, you have to meditate. If you only intellectualize, your head will explode. Once you understand not self in your heart, the burden of life will be lifted. Your family life, your work, everything will be much easier. When you see beyond self, you no longer cling to happiness. And when you no longer cling to happiness, you can begin to truly be happy. 
And so, Cassie, you're kind of getting to this point that the Jedi, in a sense, feel dogmatic and restrictive because they detach themselves in an unhealthy way that doesn't necessarily make them happy, but has them ignore their emotions instead of living mindfully and recognizing what happiness and compassion is. So I want to ask you both, uh, Brian and Cassia, with this theory of no self and to like kind of visualize it, no self can also be viewed in the sense of Force Ghost and Qui-Gon and Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda showing up um, and Return of the Jedi and later on. This theory of no self, what does that mean for the Jedi in particular and especially in conjunction with that full path, if Jedi are supposed to practice this code of living with no emotion, ignorance, passion, chaos, and death to have peace, knowledge, serenity, harmony, is that really possible within the Jedi's perspective of liberating suffering when they themselves do not practice the theory of no self? What do you all think? Um, I th- I think that kind of the foundation of what the what the Jedi believe and what kind of the you know kind of the the good faith that this uh, Jedi code was was made on made in kind of um, would apply to uh, to this uh, kind of theory of of no self, but it it really doesn't paints everything so black and white. Um, you know, and Cassia had mentioned it does it doesn't let allow for any sort of living within yourself like you have to have to kind of kind of tamp that down so i don't know i think <laughs> i th- i think in theory the jedi uh you know could could practice into into no self but i think that by the time we get to like the the prequel trilogy and they're you know they're really pushing this you know hard strict uh dogmatic view of what the jedi are supposed to be that that they can't by then um if you know, anyone out there listening has read into any of the High Republic. Um, I think that uh, that definitely uh, there, the Jedi are, you know, kind of able to um, embrace this theory of no self. And you see kind of the way that they they interact in the world that way. But I think, you know, that in the stories we're talking about here in KOTOR, uh, you know, with this Jedi code and uh, by the time we get to uh, the Star Wars films and the and the prequels, that, they, they, yeah, it's just it's. Uh, become so kind of strict and and dogmatic it just doesn't allow kind of the the flexibility to you know <laughs> to be mindful enough to you know fall into this no self uh theory that you're uh talking about here gabe yeah i mean with with the jedi i mean anyone can be happy if they aren't honest with themselves or uh sometimes you see people like ignoring like some obviously like hard things and kind of pretending they're not there and like you can kind of sense that they're there and they're like I'm happy and it's like you're just not processing this but okay uh and yeah it's like your it's like your social media life right like you only put Mm -hmm. things out there that you that you want people to see to be proud of and to think how how well you're doing and you internalize all of all of the actual real things that you're going through on a day-to-day basis Yeah. yeah yeah and so it's like, I think the Jedi 
are good, but it could be better. And like you say, the High Republic, I think it's it's better, maybe not quite perfect. And maybe there is no perfect philosophy, but I think the key is to be trying. And in some ways, the prequel Jedi, I think uh, they just kind of closed... Uh, they kind of closed their minds and they weren't like seeking the truth. They were trying to like, just kind of be dogmatic, kind of find the, the answers that they wanted to find. Uh, and other, other Jedi, uh, who were kind of willing to like explore other options, uh, kind of find the whole, uh, view of the force and transcend. And, uh, uh, the no self is a fascinating concept. Yeah. So to kind of branch off of that, so as I mentioned with no self, it's very taking that introspective look at oneself to make sure that the beliefs are aligning with others. Um, I know you all kind of mentioned it, but I I want to bring up that Qui-Gon was the first one to achieve becoming a Force ghost and eventually gave that to Yoda and who taught it to Obi-Wan and eventually Anakin was able to achieve it. Would it be fair to say that because the Jedi have followed such a dogmatic code that they lost sight of what the theory of no self is? In other words, they've lost sight on the ability to reflect upon themselves to make sure that they're actually following that eightfold path that their code was inspired by. What do you all think? And is there a specific instance? I know I brought up Qui-Gon and Yoda. Um, that you all can point out how the Jedi have lost sight of no self. Yeah, I mean they they definitely I think have lost sight of it by the time you know by the time you get to the the prequel series. There's there's no kind of self identity to any of the Jedi at that point. Um, especially um, you know at the end of Episode One when uh, Qui Gon uh, dies, then you then you don't have any sort of um, you know, introspection from any of the Jedi Council. Um, and, and you know, partially that's because of, you know, kind of the views, this, uh, you know, we've said it a bunch of times, kind of this uh, this dogmatic view that they have. Um, also, they're uh, pushed into a position that they don't really want to be in uh, with the war. So I, th- I think that that is definitely true. Um, you mentioned uh, Qui-Gon and Yoda, but um, I think you get you get kind of the the same with uh, Luke and the Last Jedi. You know when he's talking to Rey and he's kind of able to, you know, look at the way that you know he <laughs> viewed the the Force and being a Jedi. Um, you know, at at the time from when he was a, a young man to the time you know now that he's older and has kind of shut himself off uh, from the Force. So I think that uh, that's kind of another good example of you know, one of the Jedi kind of coming to term with that, uh, this theory of no self. Yeah. And I like how you, uh, also included Yoda and Luke. Uh, I kind of think of Ahsoka, um, where she left the Jedi order. Um, but probably kind of like Qui-Gon, uh, she kind of embodied, uh, what a Jedi should be and is, uh, selfless. And, uh, it'll be cool to kind of see that, uh, series, uh, explore 
her past and see what it means Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. to be aligned with good, but not necessarily be a Jedi. And in the current canon, gray Jedi don't quite exist, and there's not really a code, but maybe, I guess you could say, like, the gray Jedi code is, like, maybe, like, how I said, like, there is emotion, yet there is peace, something like that, Um, where... It's kind of like embracing the ambiguities of life uh, and being okay with uh, not knowing things. Like, uh, who was it that said, like, uh, I, well, I guess there's like many quotes from many uh, people who are smarter <laughs> than I am, like, that would be able to remember the exact quote, you know, like, but um, it's like the more you know, the less, the less, you know, the less certain you are, uh, and ambiguity mm-hmm. and openness, I think is like the key to the force. Like you always have more to learn and, uh, it's not about control. It's not about controlling others. It's about, uh, it's about learning. I mean, that's how life works. Like nature works on its own. And if you try to like control it, you see like, uh, climate change you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah no for sure so my professor actually uh provided me a quotation for me to bring up to you all so my professor uh mentions like no self does not necessarily mean no emotions like sure there is peace where there are no emotions for the jedi but as the great thai master ajahn cha reminds us there is no wisdom with no emotions and is to note that for the Jedi, they don't even have a direct translation to passion. So it seems kind of ambiguous on how the Jedi do view that. Um, though it is important to also note that the Buddhist path does not aim to make one completely detached. Though ridding yourself of craving is good, it's also not necessarily being emotionless. Uh, the Jedi Code does give off a Buddhist flavor, but the refinement of emotions and wisdom is what one needs to get onward with the Buddhist path. And with this thing, I'd like to bring up uh, Revan and Bastila, Anakin and Anakin and Padme, maybe Luke and Mara Jade as well, and finally Kylo and Rey. Like, what do you all think love plays into uh the Jedi code or even how no self does not mean detaching from emotions entirely but the Jedi interpret no self as such and so to kind of rephrase the question how in all these four relationships of Star Wars does love play a factor in the Buddhist path that the Jedi are inspired from yeah I think that that love is you know an integral part of any person, you know, whether the, whether they subscribe to uh, the Jedi code or not, now is uh, what what does Anakin say in Attack of the Clones? Uh, Jedi are supposed to be, uh, you know, selfless, and uh, you know, therefore that could be, you know, like a like a unconditional love. Um, so, yeah, I think that I don't know. I'm I'm looking back through the code here, and I don't see anything that is specifically saying uh don't love you know don't don't fall in love don't love others um you know there's a there's a sense kind of of detachment that the jedi prescribe um, themselves to but i i think that you know at the core of 
you know, of people, of human beings, uh, Jedi included, you know, love is, is a key part, you know, whether that's a romantic love of, uh, familial love, uh, you know, uh, loving friendships, you know, any of those kinds of things. So I think that, uh, you know, having, having these, you know, kind of, uh, love stories, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, Revan and Bastila and KOTOR, um, and, you know, being, being a, uh, a force dyad, two people that, you know, complement each other, uh, within the force, within the galaxy. And then, you know, you fast forward all the way to, uh, Ray and Kylo and it's a, a dyad, you know, not seen in, you know, a thousand generations. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, that love is important and I don't see, like I said, anything in the code that is specifically prohibiting it, uh, probably frowned upon and probably, you know, prequel era, uh, Jedi council, uh, probably, probably say no to that. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's important whether you're, you know, taking this uh, Jedi code or not. If you allow me to respond to that, Brian. So when the Jedi say there is no emotion, and for the Buddhist perspective, if loving so- someone, um, like for example, we know like Anakin is like, I, I crave you, I desire you, like when they're in Naboo, is it possible using no self to love another person do a way that isn't suffering that is shown in Star Wars. What do you think? Yeah, so, so the very first line there, there is no emotion, uh, there is peace. So, so is I guess I guess it depends on how uh, you know each individual person is going to to characterize their their love for you know someone else or whatever the case is. Is that is that something that is an emotion or is that you know, just is that something that, you know, is kind of what more along one of these tenets of like the eightfold um, path, you know, where you're respecting life and, you know, respecting livelihood, um, you know, and knowing the truth about the way that you feel. So I think that uh, that's probably a gray area and that's where we get into into gray Jedi. But I, I think that I think if you just look at it at it very strictly, I think, you know, when when we think of love, we think of, you know, falling in love and, you know, you know, all of that stuff. I think that you're, you're kind of thinking of it in like an emotional space. But I think that if you, you know, generally think of, of love and loving the world and loving yourself, uh, within it, um, you know, and kind of this, this theory of no self, I think that they can, uh, coincide. I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) No, for sure. No, I really like that, Brian. It, Basically, what I'm hearing from you is the same thing that Ahsoka says in Clone Wars. Like, the Jedi to love is to love humanity as a whole, or like people as a whole. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really, that's really strong. Cassia, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's kind of hard because in the current canon, there is like not a recognized gray Jedi faction. Because uh, I think like they're just. Uh, isn't quite yet uh, in the current canon like a synthesis of all the teachings that like kind of feels the most balanced and healthy. I would say the Jedi Code comes closest to it, but I think like uh, in their effort to not be attached to anything, like they kind of prohibit like a lot of healthy relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. And yes. I think you have to have a self to be selfless, and uh, the point of being good in Star Wars and you know, being good, you know, uh, in 
you know, our world is being selfless over being selfish. Uh, and love can be like love for humanity, community, uh, self, uh, friends, family, and, and loves. Like, I think it's more of like an open uh, kind of uh, way uh, of living, like not expecting rewards for, for doing the right things, just uh, being kind and being good as you interact with the world. Uh, I believe like in the Bible, was it's charity... Uh, but like, if you kind of go with the older translation, it's kind of more like, uh, kind of like that concept where it's not just like occasionally like donating some money or, or like kind of doing a checklist. It's more about like just kind of living with like an open, open welcome to, to all and, uh, being good. And, uh, I mean, like if you kind of like look at the Jedi, uh, throughout, like, whether it's the Clone Wars or the prequels, like, you kind of want to root for them to, to develop friendships and have attachments. I mean, like, if Anakin hadn't, like, fallen to the dark side, um, you kind of root for, uh, Ahsoka, Anakin, and Rex, and they're the, they're the team that kind of, like, is more connected to each other, kind of has more attachments, you know, uh, you're not mm -hmm. wanting them to be perfect Jedi who don't really care about others. And the key is to just, uh, to love selflessly rather than love selfishly. I really like that. And that brings me up to the last question I have for the Jedi section that we're talking about, similar to the Sith. So, because, again, Buddhism is focused on liberating us from the noble truths that life is suffering. Suffering is through, is through desiring and attachment. And that it's possible to stop suffering. And that is through the Eightfold Path. Does the Jedi... Um, does the Jedi's beliefs code school of philosophy liberate someone from suffering? Now, I know we talked a lot using the Eightfold Path and No Self, but to wrap it up, what do you all think? Is the Jedi Code really liberating as it aims to say that it is? Um, I think the Jedi Code is definitely uh, more liberating than the Sith Code. Um, but I think, like, if you kind of take any saying uh, as the ultimate, like, canon, you know, uh, C-A-N-O-N, uh, like, the ultimate, like, uh, quote-unquote, like, word of God, like, and you kind of don't examine, like, the, the belief systems and, like, kind of see where the gray area or ambiguity is, like, no matter what it is, you're probably gonna be led astray, you know? The key is to kind of keep evolving and keep learning and, uh, have an open growth mindset and, uh, kind of just, uh, kind of embrace, like, ands and yets, uh, rather than, like, I guess, like, thou shalt, you know, and, like, do as I say, you know, things like that. I think the intention is for it to kind of be personally liberating to, you know, to, to live at one with the force, let's see, so, you know, there, uh, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the force. So I, I, 
I think that kind of the intent of it is to be uh, liberating, to, you know, be able to allow yourself to, you know, kind of live in harmony uh, with the force. But I don't know that, you know, in, in any of the, the stories that we've seen that we've really seen the Jedi kind of following <laughs> through uh, with that. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Qui-Gon was the, the first of the Force ghosts, you know, at least that we know about. Um, so I think maybe kind of kind of then after after Yoda realizes that, uh, you know, the Order has fallen, uh, maybe, maybe that kind of wipes the slate clean, so to speak, from, um, you know, what, what the Jedi had been and had become. So I think maybe... Uh, maybe at the maybe at the core value of it, it it is supposed to be uh, liberating, and I think maybe they just kind of you know lost the forest for the trees, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, by the time we get into the end of the films, but, but yeah, I think I think that it is set up to to be self liberating, certainly more so than you know than the the Sith Code, which is supposed to be kind of you know self you know uh, chastising, I guess. So for sure, thank you so much for that, and to kind of transition us like. It seems that we've kind of proven that the Sith side, not liberating at all, the Jedi side, some liberation, but not fully. And to kind of transition us into that, um, I think there are two instances that are great. Is that when the Martez sisters in the Clone Wars mention how Luminara is very cold to them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you have to just detach, no motion. And they're like, that's not how it works. And of course, Ahsoka, that leads her to becoming the great Jedi. And then moving forwards... Um, looking at The Last Jedi Rise of Skywalker, Luke's own Jedi Academy fails, and we also see it within The Mandalorian that he forces Grogu to choose between his emotions and his attachments to others, um, or power, or like be a Jedi. And so I think now knowing that the Jedi code isn't the answer to liberation as the buddha is asking us to follow within the eightfold path uh we come on to the gray jedi as we've kind of been alluding to this entire time and this is gonna sound crazy but (laughs) apparently the star wars fandom has crafted their own gray jedi code and here's how it goes and i'm curious for y'all's take in a sec there is no dark side nor light side there is only the force I will do what I must to keep the balance. There is no good without evil, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. There is passion, yet peace. There is serenity, yet emotion. There is chaos, yet order. And for me, I feel that this great great Jedi code that the Star Wars fandom has kind of curated is most related to the purest form of Buddhism or of liberating ourselves in order to be ceasing suffering of life and in particular there's one school of buddhism called the yogacara tradition um particularly the source on this would be it's a book written by another buddhist monk named vasubandhu uh that's spelled v-a-s-u-b-a-n-d-h-u um and this is school of thought is called yoga chara and if you take out the char part yoga and it's focusing on how we are all interconnected with each other in order um 
our karmic seeds are set because of our connection with other people and our compassion for others. And so with this kind of Jedi Code and particularly diving into Knights of the Old Republic with Joe Lee, what do you all think in the perspective of Yogacara and being connected with everyone and our own karma and karmic seeds having impacts on other people? Um, and since we're kind of on this point, like, is the Grey Jedi Code or this understanding of balance and moderation, um, just as the Buddha is asking us to, the most liberating form of meditation in the Star's universe? What do you all think? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, I think that um, the Grey Jedi, you know, would most definitely be the most liberating. I like, um, I like this little uh, fan uh, made Grey Jedi Jedi code. Um, and I like this particular line. It says, there is no good without evil, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. And that's kind of how you see uh, the gray Jedi behaving. So, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, you have Jolie Bindo, who is, you know, kind of, you know, put into a self-exile from, from the Jedi, but he still, you know, feels the, the need, feels the passion to do right in the galaxy. Um, but you know, you just don't. You don't have to put labels on it. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to be a Jedi. You can just be, be in tune with the Force. You can be a good person. You can uh, help root out evil. Um, you know, you can you can do all of those things without you know adhering to this you know strict uh, dogmatic code. You can, uh, you know, you can you can do all of those things and exist uh, within the world. So yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, this uh, Yogacara understanding of Buddhism. I think that that falls in line you know, with, uh, with gray Jedi, what we've, what we've known from them and, and seen from the, you know, the couple of examples that we have. And I think that from character perspective, I think that, you know, they're incredibly interesting that they're able to kind of, you know, walk their own path and do the things and live the life that, that they want to, to live and, you know, kind of follow their own code. But, uh, what do you think, Cassia? Um, I've always been fascinated by meditation. I've tried to meditate, uh, in the past, uh, kind of more successfully sometimes than others. Uh, I did end up reading David Lynch's, uh, catching the big fish meditation, consciousness and creativity. I believe it's also, there's a free documentary on YouTube as well. Uh, so, but I think there's a difference between meditation and transcendental meditation, but I'm still learning and I'm trying to kind of, uh, mindfulness and, uh, meditation and like kind of finding peace and stuff. But, um, I, I do like the, the gray Jedi code and I hope someday like star Wars will allow itself to kind of find a synthesis and maybe like some characters kind of get like happy endings. They can be Jedi and like kind of have love and attachment and everything, but, uh, maybe then they, wouldn't be able to continue the saga, you know, cause people would be happy, but, um, it's my hope that one day it'll kind of resolve. But, uh, yeah, I think meditation is kind of like, uh, kind of like memoirs. You kind of take, uh, pain and then you, transform it into a lesson or, or growth. And, uh, uh, I think that's a, a good way to live rather than holding on to things that, uh, you feel resentment about. And, uh, 
the key is to uh, move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. I, another, here's another one I want to throw at you. So there's another great Jedi code out there too. It goes, flowing through all, there is balance. There is no peace without a passion to create. There is no passion without peace to guide. Knowledge stagnates without the strength to act. Power blinds without the serenity to see. There's freedom in life. There's purpose in death. The force is all things and I am the force. And so going back to Yogacara and how we're all interconnected, um, I want to ask you all because it seems like we have two Jedi codes, but talking about Jolie and Ahsoka in particular for great Jedi, how do Ahsoka and Jolie best represent karma and yogachara and how to find how to practice moderation um just like the buddha is calling us to one number two is also how are the great jedi more in tune with the eightfold path than probably the jedi themselves i guess with jolie uh you kind of hear about how he he did uh, love, uh, but uh, when his when his love turned to the dark side, uh, he he was able to kind of put his desires uh, on the back seat, and he kind of ended up having to uh, beat her in a duel, and uh, he kind of exiled himself after that. But uh, I think like he doesn't regret. Uh, loving and like he wishes things could have turned out differently but uh he he kind of made like uh the choice that maybe he didn't want to make like for his desires but like he put the the needs of the galaxy above his own and i think that you know his is kind of like uh that's charity and um i think ahsoka uh she succeeds where Anakin fails. Uh, she's able to leave the Jedi behind when she kind of sees their uh, kind of hypocrisy in the Clone Wars. And I think, like, Kristen Baver's uh, Skywalker A Family at War makes the point that Anakin probably should have left along with Ahsoka. Like, he would have mm-hmm. been happier. The galaxy probably would have been better off if he could, like, be open and, like, uh, kind of just leave, like... Uh, that part of himself behind and like uh, fully embrace like who he is like in the open you know um and you kind of just see like uh ahsoka like uh just kind of puts others needs like uh above hers even when it's hard like uh lux is more uh interested in in stila like but uh she's compassionate you know and uh that's why I'm excited to kind of see like uh, more of her, you know, uh, in her own series, you know, Ahsoka, and uh, it's been a cool. It's been cool to see her in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the thing about the both of our examples here of Grey Jedi, so Jolie and Kotor and and Ahsoka, and you see them living kind of this. Um, kind of selfless existence where they're, um, you know, just always are doing what they can to help for, you know, Jolie, he's living in Kashyyyk. He's helping the Wookiees kind of with, you know, their occupation. Um, you have Ahsoka 
doing things like we saw kind of in the final season of the Clone Wars, you know, helping the the Martez sisters and, um, you know, really, really living, living this life of helping people in the galaxy, which is, you know, one of the tenets of, um, you know, what Jedi are supposed to be doing. Um, but they're kind of, you know, at, at the time that we're seeing them and the Jedi council and KOTOR, the Jedi council, um, you know, during the, the time of the prequel trilogy, um, they're, they're kind of in this, <laughs> you know, in this, kind of uh, echo chamber of mm-hmm. you know of this dogma that they're they're preaching they're not actually you know doing doing the things that they're supposed to be doing they're just kind of existing as as jedi right and you know and maybe that's Modern that's nation. good enough yeah exactly so um so yeah so i mean and in, in terms of if you look at the eightfold path um with the great jedi yeah definitely you know um knowing the truth for uh, freeing the mind of evil you know saying nothing that hurts others and work for the good of others, respect life, resist evil. Yeah. Great Jedi do all of this stuff. They definitely fall in line with uh, what we're seeing here out of the eightfold path. So I think that they probably embody it the most. And I think that that's, that's probably what, you know, is really kind of the thing in, in Buddhism is, is understanding who you are and understanding how you fit in the world. And then, you know, doing, doing what you can to, you know, have that be as positive as possible. And I think that that's really what Grey Jedi are doing. They're able to kind of, you know, strip away the baggage that comes with, you know, being a member of uh, the Jedi Order and, you know, just just doing doing the things that they need to for good. And I think that, yeah, I think that they probably are living, living the life as... Uh, you know, uh, to the best of, you know, of these three groups, I think that they really latch onto it the best. Yeah. You know, now that you say that, it makes me think of like, Jolie is literally a Buddhist monk. If you think about like, he's living secluded in nature, compassionate Mm -hmm. towards others. And I don't know, like, you know how with our little light side, dark side point scale, he's always in the balance, like in moderation, like the Buddha asks us to. So yeah. And you, you make a really good point. And that's one of the neat things about, um, you know, having kind of uh, these characters in Knights of the Old Republic, so you have Bastila, who is very much indoctrinated all in on the the Jedi and how great they are. And you have Jolie, who's, you know, always there to be like, well, you know, actually, that that might not be all that great. Right. You know, things yeah. aren't as you know, as black and white as this. Um, you know, Cassie and I talked about it a lot, um, you know, when we were going through kind of the the first game that Jolie is kind of like a sounding board for the player is, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of the more reality of the, of the galaxy, you know, how things, how things actually work versus, you know, what their, uh, uh, the Jedi council is, you know, trying to get, get you to, to think and do so. Yeah. I mean, you, you see it with Juhani and Bastila, um, just kind of like uh, the indoctrination, uh, Juhani suffers with anger and like she's not really allowed to like process or kind of go through it uh, like I mean she was a slave growing up you know uh, and like she's not really allowed to like process like her trauma like as a normal like person in the Star Wars galaxy like there's no Jedi therapy if there's any you know moral of Star Wars is there should be therapy um and there would probably be less dark side, but um, and then like yeah. uh, Bastla, her background, like it, it's kind of similar to Anakin in some ways, uh, like kind of like uh, with 
she was kind of taken from her family and then like very much indoctrinated by the Jedi Council. And mm-hmm. I mean, you see it with uh, Atris in Knights of the Old Republic too, like where she's so extremely black and white that like she's kind of like Javert in Les Mis, uh, or I guess Les Miserables. Uh, and uh, that kind of causes Javert to not be a good person, even though he's trying to serve good, like, because he's so extreme, and uh, it kind of causes uh, Javert's and uh, Atris's downfall. No, mm-hmm. for sure. I think you two just really hit the nail on the head, that excessiveness and not living a life of moderation, like Buddhism calls. Yeah is what will be the end of us. I know, Brian, you had a few words as well. One last point on onto that. I, you see it really um, identified the most in episode one when Qui-Gon is on Tatooine and uh, he finds Anakin and Anakin's the chosen one. And, you know, well, it can't take your mother because I'm not here to free slaves. I'm, I'm only taking you because it's what it's what the Jedi Order wants, right? So he's not, you know, he's not doing it to to be selfless and to to live in the world with moderation. He's, you know, just you know following through on, uh, you know, this uh, this prophecy that the Jedi have, you know, um, you know, throwing uh, <laughs> no care into the the needs of the rest of the of the galaxy and. Um, I think, you know, the gray Jedi are in that situation and the outcome is probably different. Yeah, for sure. So now as we kind of have asked this question with both of the previous schools, is does the gray Jedi school of thought and their view on the force of being interconnected with everyone and having to find balance, is the gray Jedi school and thought liberating uh, does it liberate us from the suffering that the buddha has introduced and is that where star wars shines the most in showing its own buddhist influence and thought what do you both think uh yes <laughs> yes i yes. think that, that <laughs> yes <laughs> i think that i think that that is true um yeah and what what does uh, ahsoka say when she's uh, you know fighting with uh with darth vader i am no jedi um, yeah, you, you give up the, you know, you give up those, you know, those titles and that doctrination and, and you just live, you know, this, this peaceful, uh, life where you, you do good and you exist in the world. And I think that that, yeah, I think that that identifies with, you know, what Buddhism, uh, you know, attempts to be, it's this, this, you know, very in tune, peaceful, positive thing. Yeah. What about you, Cassia? Do you think the, the Grey Jedi are the most uh, liberating in the Buddhist sense of liberating uh, us from our suffering? Is their school of thought the most accurate? I, I believe so, uh, yes. Uh, because Qui-Gon is kind of like kind of a maverick Jedi, but I think he was kind of right about more things, and he was the first... Uh, Force Ghost and Ahsoka uh, definitely called more more right shots, I think, than than wrong shots. And uh, I think just when Jedi kind of step away from the systems, like in orders of like what the Jedi code dictates, and they just be a good person and just be 
I think that's when the force kind of flows through them the most. Uh, and the key is just to be selfless rather than selfish. So I think that's cool. Sure. Thank you. And to kind of now, as all essays go, throw in my conclusion here, um, I want to get your take, Brian and Cassian, now as a conclusion. Was it fair to say that Star Wars' systems and beliefs were evidently influenced by Buddhism because of how Star Wars depicts mindfulness and Buddhist meditative practices through the Sith's inability to be compassionate through their selfish nature and which leads to their everlasting suffering, then the Jedi's inability to practice no self and detach them from their own emotions, and finally, the great Jedi's opportunity and ability to find moderation and balance and practice the Yogacara um, tradition of being connected with others. Does that sound like a good conclusion to our conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you, Brian? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you can definitely see the uh, the fingerprints that Buddhism has throughout, uh, definitely in uh, you know Knights of the Old Republic, where we're introduced to the Jedi and Sith codes. But yeah, all the way up through kind of all of the the lore and all of the supplemental Star Wars material out there. Yeah, you definitely uh, definitely see uh, you know strains of uh, Buddhism running all the way through it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we knew we were talking about this, but since, you know, since it seems like the Great Jedi are the coolest faction within Star Wars for literally liberating for us from our suffering, um, ceasing attachment, and again, like, going down this Eightfold Path to enlightenment, who is your favorite Great Jedi, y'all? Brian Cassia, who's, from all the Great Jedi that we know of, (laughs) wink, wink, Who's your favorite? And for the record, Revan and Mitra, uh, the Jedi Exile, are on the table. So okay, and Kreia. I'd say Kreia, but not Treya. Kreia. Yeah. Kreia, but not Treya. Um, <laughs> yeah. Of of the ones that we that we have, um, I definitely my my favorite is Jolie. He's my favorite um, character in Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I just I just think that the story and how he found himself. Be, becoming a quote-unquote a gray jedi um is is really interesting and i think that his kind of inclusion in the story and how he kind of take a takes up arms with revan and the rest of the crew uh for the ebon hawk is is really really fascinating it's a really good story and i think that um he's a really important part of uh revan and bastila's story then ultimately so uh for me it's jolie if i have to if i have to pick my favorite gray jedi uh, I do love Qui-Gon, but I I don't know. I think I didn't talk about Revan uh, and Basil enough. Uh, I mean, like, I kind of interpret uh, the Knights of the Old Republic story kind of differently than uh, kind of how Swotor says it happened, you know. Um, I kind of think, like, Revan being brainwashed into uh, turning to the dark side kind of takes away... Uh, Revan's agency so I kind of think like it was just kind of like the war that kind of forced him to uh, turn to the dark side you know like it, it's kind of like mm-hmm. human nature war not good it was for his desire. yeah yeah and um 
what I kind of liked about KOTOR is, like, I interpret it like uh, he was kind of given a second chance by the Force, and, uh, like, Revenant and Bastila's, like, uh, dyad bond, and, like, kind of, like, uh, their love, like, at different times, uh, they they save each other. Like, Bastila saved uh, Revan not really out of romantic love, but, like, out of, like, uh, duty for... Uh, humanity, you know, and then like uh, Revan saves Bastila when she falls to the dark side out of love uh, and like they're kind of two broken people who are saved by each other at different times and help each other become better um, and I kind of interpret it like in my view like Revan would have like kind of found the, the Grey Jedi code synthesis like kind of taught by Jolie and uh but, and I kind of pretend like KOTOR had KOTOR 3 and then it had its own ending and SVOTOR was its own thing, but um, that didn't happen. But this is Cassia's fanfic, I guess. But um, <laughs> but yeah, right. like we probably didn't talk enough about Revan, but Revan's on our logo. That's his, that's his helmet. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's our flagship Jedi. I'd, I'd argue personally that Revan is a great Jedi not a Jedi or Sith and he's definitely my favorite great Jedi as I said in episode 86 when we were talking about Korriban um, it's also t- to be known that when I was talking about how Revan is very Nichein in a sense there are so many parallels with the Nicheanism, um and Buddhism that it goes to show that Revan really did follow or he recognized the four noble truths about life being suffering and attachment and like how he needs to let go. Like he, again, he left Bastila for the greater good. Um, mm-hmm. I think also within like recognizing his own suffering and going to moderation, he, he and Swotor, as controversial as this may be, the fact that he was separate to a light side and a dark side version of him goes to show that, as Kreia said, Revan was power. Revan was a, the idea of balance. Um, he was the idea that I'd say the Buddha is asking us to see as the ultimate embodiment of moderation. And how by relinquishing desire and our dukkha, our suffering, we are able to find that balance and be truly happy and find the greater good. So that's um, that's mine. But as all good things come to an end um thank you so much again brian and cassia for chatting with me today about buddhism and star wars and vice versa um now i kind of shot this out to both brian and cassia but before we really dive into gratitude um i would like to introduce for you both and for everyone today um a kind of five-minute meditation that I'll walk you all through that I learned from uh, Professor Aviv called Metta, um, spelled M-E-T-T-A, and in the spirit of gratitude. Um, I'll walk you all through it. Um, and this meditation is to focus on grounding ourselves to sending loving kindness to the universe and to everyone. Uh, there's six stages of it, and I'll walk you all through it, but... Brian Cassie, are you both ready to uh, meditate alongside with me? I am ready, ready to go, ready to meditate, yeah. I'm excited. 
Yes. Mary Cassie, okay, so I invite you both to uh, close your eyes. And as you close your eyes, just put your hands on your lap, however you're sitting. You can crisscross or just sit straight. Feel the ground beneath you and focus on your breathing. Just let it go slow. Send loving kindness towards yourself and others. So let's focus on yourself and repeat the following phrases after me in your mind. May I be free from danger. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I love with ease. Now collecting this good energy, we're going to push it out further, and instead we're going to think about a good friend of ours. May my good friend be free from danger. May my good friend be happy. May my good friend be healthy. May my good friend love with ease. Now extending this energy again once more. Expanding the circle, think above a neutral person, someone you may not know well someone that is an acquaintance. May this person be free from danger. May this person be happy. May this person be healthy. May this person love with ease. It's bending the circle once more. Think of someone that you've had difficulty with. May this person be free from danger. May this person be happy. May this person be healthy. May this person 
love at ease. Not spanning the circle once more. Now think of yourself, that good friend, that neutral person, the difficult person, and combine all of them and think about these phrases. Again, focus on your breathing. Focus on how the energy is flowing through you. May these four people be free from danger. May these four people be happy. May these four people be healthy. May these four people love with ease. And finally, expanding to the largest circle that we can imagine of our energy, the entire universe. May the universe be free from danger. May the universe be happy. May the universe be healthy. May the universe love with ease. I invite you both and everyone listening to open your eyes, take one more deep breath, and exhale. And that, again, was the Meta, M-E-T-T-A, meditation. Thank you so much, Brian and Cassia, for joining me. How do you both feel? Yeah, I feel great. I liked going through that exercise with you quite a bit. So thanks for uh, bringing that idea to us. Uh, hopefully everyone out there listening uh, was able to go through that, too. And hopefully that'll help, uh, you know, day to day. Anytime you need a little little uh, mental break, I think that's a good way to, to achieve that. Yeah, I feel like so good right now like this would have been a game changer you know like to know about uh long ago but uh yeah I'm glad that I've definitely learned more about uh the different facets of Buddhism and definitely learned more about meditation so thank you for uh, proposing this and uh it's a it's always nice to have you on, and uh, I think it'll definitely help uh, our listeners. For sure. Thank you so much. Um, I know for the listeners listening in, um, although I had to do this for a course, I have really hoped that you all were able to feel relaxed as well. Um, I want to give a huge thank you to my professor, Pro- Professor E.L. Aviv at the George Washington University for introducing uh, this to me and again just as he's touched me I hope that I've touched you all um, with the grace and peace that Buddhism provides and as always just like in Buddhism we wish each other well with good intent may the force be with you may the force be with you the old
Old Republic podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisSMowersMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.